0: chapter fifteen of pixie o'shaughnessy by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain an unexpected invitation that child pixie is more wonderful than ever what do you think she asks me next said mademoiselle to miss phipps early the next morning the dear Bridgie has told her to invite a friend to return home with her for the holidays, and she gives me the letter to read and asks that it shall be me. I have laughed, but it is no use. She is still an earnest. I have said I am not a schoolgirl and too old for you, my dear. She stares in my face and asks, "How old are you then? Not more than forty, are you?" Oh, dear, if someone else had said that I had been furious, for one does not like to be made ten years too old, but one cannot be angry with that child, and then I said, Your sister will expect a girl like yourself, and will be disappointed to see me, and that would be uncomfortable for both. But she would not listen to that either, but declared, it would be still better for them, for they had wished for someone who had seen the world nothing that i can say will convince her but you know it is impossible that i should go well really therese i wish you would returned miss phipps laughing it has been a weight on my mind to think of your remaining here alone during the holidays and i cannot stay with you for i am bound to go to my old aunt as for pixie taking one of the girls home with her that is out of the question at this hour of the day if miss o'shaughnessy had sent an invitation even a fortnight ago it might have been arranged but now there is no time to write and get permission and make the necessary plans it is only in a case like yours when there is no one else to consult that such a very irish invitation could be accepted so either you go with pixie or she returns alone and that reminds me of another thing it would be a comfort to me if you could look after the child on the journey for i have had a letter from the brother to say that he cannot decide definitely on what day he will cross how would it be if you accepted the invitation for one week took the child safely home and just left it to circumstances to decide what to do after that do you think i might venture really asked mademoiselle eagerly her eyes brightened and a flush of colour came into her cheek if it would not be too absurd i should like it ver much we have had so much of those dear sisters that we seem to know them already and i should be glad of the change if for example you would write and say you would be more comfortable if i accompanied the child and that i would stay a few days that would perhaps make it easier certainly with pleasure and i shall be so glad if it ends in a nice holiday for you dear the last part of the term has been so trying that we all need cheering up and from all we hear i should think the household at knock castle must be a delightful study young mr o'shaughnessy has promised to call this afternoon so you had better come down and talk to him yourself i am sure you will find that he is as cordial as pixie herself this indeed proved to be the case and greatly charmed was mademoiselle with the handsome youth who beamed upon her with pixie's own smile and who was so much warmer and more enthusiastic in his manner than his english brothers jack indeed was an apt disciple of the blarney stone and could pay compliments with any man in ireland he gazed at mademoiselle with an expression in his eyes which seemed to say that never no never had he met so charming a woman his voice gurgled with emotion as he seconded his sister's invitation and he bade her welcome to knock castle with the graciousness of a prince of the blood so handsome he looked too that pixie's heart swelled with pride as she beheld him seated on the sofa in his frock-coat and freshly creased trousers looking as she mentally expressed it as if he never gave a thought to money which in good truth was the case though in another sense to that in which she meant it the west end tailor would have a weary time to wait before mr jack troubled himself to pay for all his fine new clothes jack declared that it would be of all things the most helpful if mademoiselle would escort pixie home for he himself would have to leave his journey until the very last moment before christmas when travelling would be both difficult and unpleasant he offered to telegraph to his sisters prophesied that mademoiselle would receive an immediate response so that before he left the house the matter was virtually settled and the extraordinary news spread through the school that mademoiselle was going home with pixie o'shaughnessy to pay a visit to her relatives surprise was the first feeling envy the next and the elder pupils were urgent in their demands for letters write to us maddie do promise you will we are all dying to hear what they are like tell us if esmeralda is really as beautiful as pixie says and what bridgie is like and the boys and the major and the castle itself and tell us all you do and exactly what happens when you arrive write one really long detaily letter and we will send it the round of the class so that we will all get the benefit you will mattie won't you we do want so badly to know about pixie's home mademoiselle laughed merrily it was astonishing how bright and young she looked in the prospect of the unexpected holiday she was in such a good temper that it seemed really impossible for her to say no oh i will tell you what i can but you know it is not common for to criticise the house in which you stay i will write all the pleasant things but for the jokes the contretemps no pixie shall do that if she will i must keep them to myself if they are all as nice as the sun whom i have seen they must be charming i have never met a more pleasant youth the girls wagged their heads in meaning fashion we saw him they said meaningly we saw him pixie said he was coming about four so we kept a lookout, and we were obliged to go to the window to read some small print just as he happened to walk up the steps ethel heard the bell and stopped practising five minutes before the time and strolled casually downstairs to meet him he stood aside to let her pass and she says he smiles with his eyes just like pixie oh of course we don't expect you to tell tales but just to ease our curiosity we do take such an extraordinary interest in that family there is another family in which i take an even greater interest just now and that's the Vane's," remarked kate meaningly Miss Phipps wrote to Mr. Vane, and I met poor Lottie just now, with eyes all magenta with crying over a letter she had just received from him. She saw I was sorry for her, and I think she was thankful to have someone to talk to, for she asked me to read it. She threw up her hands with a gesture of dismay. Well, I don't know what I should do if my father wrote me a letter like that. Ow! ethel shivered dramatically how horrible what did he say was it terribly furious it wasn't furious at all not even angry but oh so sad and solemn that it made you turn cold to read it it had tears in it as frulein said of margaret's singing and you could tell he was so bitterly bitterly disappointed lottie felt that more than if he had been cross for she does so love to be loved and fussed over and if ever there was a poor thing scared out of her wits at the thought of to-morrow it is herself at this moment he comes to take her away you know and instead of the holidays being a relief as she expected she is longing for them to be over she says now that she would rather not come back here but go to some fresh school where no one knows about this trouble but her father thinks it would be good for her to suffer the humiliation of losing her position among us and says if miss phipps will have her she must try to regain our esteem oh well i was as disgusted with her as anyone could be and felt inclined never to speak to her again when i thought how she had treated the pixie but i am dreadfully sorry for her now when i compare her home-going with my own i do have such a time the family is one beam of delight when i arrive the children quarrel who shall sit by me at table and i have all my favourite puddings my room looks so sweet with flowers on the dressing-table and i sit up till ten o'clock and mother comes to see me in bed and gives me a lovely hug fifty-two more hours i am so happy i couldn't be angry with my deadliest enemy i saw mr vane once and he looks a regular grey man said ethel in reply clothes and hair and eyes and skin all the same washed-out grey i don't wonder lottie is in awe of him and i am thankful i am not mixed up in the business so that he can't ask to interview me i believe he will want to see pixie though it would seem only natural i wouldn't say so to her for the world but don't you think miss phipps will send for her when he comes some of the girls thought no others thought yes and events proved that the latter were in the right for the next afternoon pixie was summoned to the drawing-room in the middle of her packing and entered to find miss phipps in earnest conversation with a tall grave-looking man while lottie stood miserably by the window she looked tall and womanly in her travelling cloak and the pained glance which Mr. Vane turned from her to the newcomer showed that he felt all an Englishman's horror at the idea of cruelty to the weak. Is this? Surely this can't be Pixie? He asked anxiously. I did not expect to see anyone so small. She is surely very young. He was really speaking to Miss Phipps, but as he held pixie's hand in his she felt it her duty to answer for herself no i'm really quite old but i'm stunted i'm twelve she said smiling up at him with the confiding look which was her best introduction to a stranger she was about to enlighten him still further as to the respective heights of the different members of her family but a curious quiver passed over the grey face and scared her into silence twelve are you and lottie is sixteen i sent for you pixie to tell you how bitterly grieved mrs vane and i are to think of all that you have suffered through our daughter's cowardice i wish it were in our power to do something for you in return but i hope at least that lottie has expressed her regret before leaving and begged your forgiveness no she didn't beg anything she just cried and hugged me and i cried and hugged her back i knew she was sorry from the beginning and it was worse for her because she knew all the time that she was wrong and i was quite comfortable inside and she was very kind to me before that i liked her very much she gave me an elegant little brooch that she didn't want any longer mr vane turned aside and looked into miss phipps's face and miss phipps looked back at him with a glance half smiling half tearful and withal wholly proud as though justified in something about which she had previously been inclined to boast pixie finds no difficulty in forgiving mr vane and i think the best thanks you could give her would be an opportunity of befriending lottie still further and helping her to regain her position in the school i think it is an encouraging omen for the future that it is the girls themselves who have persuaded me to take her back they are very good you are all very good he said sadly i need hardly say how much i appreciate your kindness Goodbye, then little pixie o'shaughnessy and i hope we may meet again under happier circumstances may you have happy holidays i'm going home said pixie eloquently her radiant face made such a striking contrast to that other bleached frightened-looking visage that the father's heart softened as he looked from one to the other he took lottie's hand and drew it tenderly through his arm and so is lottie and if her parents seem stern with her it is only because they are anxious for her good she perhaps hardly realises the bitter pain it gives them to see her unhappy father cried lottie eagerly and now for the first time she clung to him instead of shrinking out of sight and seemed to find comfort in the touch of his hand the fifth form girls peeping cautiously out of the window a few minutes later were amazed to see her descend the steps holding tightly to his arm but they were too much engrossed with their own exciting preparations to have time to ponder over the phenomenon only miss phipps and pixie knew that the grey man had a tender heart despite his sternness and that lottie had fallen into wise and loving care the next morning all was excitement and bustle cabs and omnibuses driving up to the door of holly house to convey parties of pupils to the station gushing farewells and promises to write taking place on the staircase mysterious bundles not to be opened until christmas morning slipped into trunks at the last moment and such racings up and down stairs in search of things forgotten as can be better imagined than described when thirty girls half mad with excitement are on the point of starting for home mademoiselle and pixie were among the first to leave and despite the very early hour of their departure came in for such a magnificent send-off that they felt quite like royal personages as they drove away from the door meals would be supplied on train and boat but they were laden with other comforts for the long journey in the shape of sweets scent books to read and alas specifics against seasickness mademoiselle looked pensive whenever she thought of the hours on board the boat but for the rest she was as gay as one of the girls themselves and much interested in the country through which they flew one great town after another appeared and was left behind as they roared through the stations seeing nothing but a blur of white faces and undecipherable letters upon a board hour after hour and never a stop morning changing into afternoon and still no slackening of that wonderful onward rush two o'clock and then just as pixie was beginning to nod after her lunch a sudden cry of admiration came from mademoiselle by her side and there close at hand so near that but a step would have taken them upon the beach lay that beautiful mysterious sea its waters shining in the winter sunshine the breakers making a ridge of white along the yellow shore the bathing vans were drawn up on the shingle and there were no active little figures running to and fro digging castles on the sands no minstrels and gingerbread stalls and swarms of donkey boys all was still and bare and lifeless and as the short day closed in there was an eeriness about the scene which made the travellers glad to draw the curtains over the windows and which gave an added cheeriness to the prospect of tea when Holyhead was reached mademoiselle lifted her bag and walked on board the steamer with the air of a martyr marching to the stake and to pixie's dismay laid herself down at once with an utter disregard of the table spread out in the saloon she waited in what patience she could command until they were well on their way and the preparations for the evening meal grew more advanced and then it was impossible to remain silent any longer would ye not be taking something to warm ye mademoiselle she inquired anxiously there's a lovely smell of cooking two smells one of them is cabbage and the other smells like gravy spilt in the oven doesn't it make you hungry that nice greasy smell but mademoiselle only groaned and bade her eat a biscuit and be silent so for mere occupation's sake the wisest thing seemed to be to go to sleep which she proceeded to do with extraordinary quickness such an amount of groanings and clanking of chains mingled with her dreams that they naturally took the shape of confinement within prison walls where she suffered many and wonderful adventures and from which she was on the point of escaping under the most romantic circumstances when she was seized in the grasp of the gaoler as she at first supposed but it turned out to be mademoiselle herself such a haggard dishevelled mademoiselle who bade her get up and put on her hat for the sea was crossed at last and they were anchored at the quay at dublin pixie felt as if roused in the middle of the night and altogether it was a most dejected-looking couple who went shivering across the gangway in the pouring rain and made their way to the train for the third and last stage of the journey neither spoke but just lay prone against the cushions of the railway carriage so much asleep as to be uncomfortably aware that they were awake so much awake as to long hopelessly for sleep mademoiselle determined drearily to send for her aged father and spend the rest of her life in enforced exile on this grey rain-swept island since never never again could she summon up courage to cross that dreadful sea and the night seemed half over when bolly william was reached at last the station clock was pointing to eleven and a broken-down fly was waiting to convey the travellers to their destination in the dim light, the surroundings looked both poor and squalid, but Porter and Flyman vied with one another in a welcome so warm that it went far to dissipate the cheerlessness of the scene. Pixie discoursed with them in animated fashion, the while the trunks were being hoisted to their places. Has any one been here from the castle today, Dennis? They are all quite well, I suppose. They are so, Miss Pixie and miss joan down upon us this morning hinting of what would happen if jock was forgetting the fly you mind the night the lady was arriving and having to find her way in the dark while he was snoring in his bed it's a fine flow of language miss joan has of her own it's as good as a sermon to listen to her when she's roused and jock was getting the benefit of it this day "'There's a fine tail he's spinning,' exclaimed the defaulting jock, grinning in unabashed complacency. "'Don't you be after believing a word of it, Miss Pixie, dear. "'It would be a cold bed that would keep Jock McGee from driving ye home this night. "'And the size of ye you too. You've grown out of knowledge. "'It's a fine strapping lass you will be one of these days.' and jock gazed with simulated amazement at the elf-like figure as it stepped forward into the lamplight my molly was bidden me to give you her duty and say her eyes are longing for the sight of you again i'll come to-morrow as soon as i can get away give molly my love jock and say i was often thinking of her he is a decent fellow jock mcgee she explained to her companion as the ramshackle vehicle trundled away in the darkness a decent fellow but he has been terrible unlucky with his wives they fall ill on him as soon as they are married and cost him pounds in doctors and funerals this one has asthma and he expects she will die too before very long he says it doesn't give a man a chance but he's the wonderful knack for keeping up his spirits he had indeed mademoiselle found it difficult to think of the jovial round-faced jehu as the victim of domestic afflictions and for the hundredth time she reflected that this ireland to which she had come was a most extraordinary place nothing could be seen from the windows of the fly save an occasional tree against the sky but ever up and up they climbed while the wind blew round them in furious blasts then suddenly came a bend in the road and a vision of twinkling windows row upon row stretching from one wing to the other of a fine old building and each window glowing with its own cheery welcome it's illumined cried pixie wildly pinching mademoiselle's arm in her excitement it's illumined oh bridgie bridgie did i ever see mademoiselle mademoiselle did ye ever have a castle illumined for you before did they ever give you such a welcome in your own country never never cried mademoiselle she was almost as excited as pixie herself craning forward to peer out of the windows counting breathlessly the long line of lights and reflecting that she had not sufficiently realised the grandeur of the household to which she was coming another moment and a still brighter light shone through an open doorway and a chorus of voices sang out welcome then the fly stopped Someone helped her to alight a hand clasped hers affectionately and a rich soft voice spoke in her ears are you destroyed the journey you've been having poor creatures in the wind and the rain are you destroyed altogether this was castlenock indeed and bridgie o'shaughnessy's fair face beamed a welcome upon her End of chapter fifteen